you got your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 39 is where we're going to start this morning. We're, then we're going to move to Isaiah and then Jeremiah. So you can kind of put, take three fingers and shove them in those different books. And that'd look really weird while you're sitting there waiting on me to get there. And maybe awkward to hold. Uh, but just know that's kind of where we're heading this morning. Um, this morning we're starting a new series of messages called A Weary World Rejoices. And um, we have, uh, Pastor Trent uh, mentioned that a little bit earlier than the line of that song, that uh, this, this idea that a weary world, a weary world rejoices, that uh, this, this, old, this line in the song, O Holy Night, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And so when we thought about that, the same line of thinking that he has, the same line of thinking that I have, you know. It's been a difficult year in, in a lot of ways and, and maybe even more difficult for individual families. And so this morning we're going to look at this and just see what does the Bible have to speak to us during this season? What does the Bible have to say to us about the idea of a weary world rejoicing? Now, how many of you, uh, how much time have you spent in your life just waiting? Anybody, you were waiting this morning. Anybody, you're waiting on your kids? <laughs> waiting on biscuits. There you go. That's, that's even better. <laughs> I mean, you know, I get impatient with my kids. I, I, can, I smell in biscuits. I can be patient with that, right? You know, uh, how many of you maybe spent time waiting on your husband this morning? Maybe spent time waiting on your wife this morning. Maybe you're just waiting to find a wife this morning. Maybe you're waiting to find a husband this morning. You know, uh, that's, that's, we're all waiting in different ways, and we wait and we wait and we wait. And we spend a lot of time waiting, especially in Richmond Hill. There's a lot of waiting that goes on in Richmond Hill. I pulled out of my house last night, just going to take a quick trip to Publix. Publix is probably not really more than about a mile and a half from my house. And I pulled out, and then there's this long line of just red brake lights. And I said, man, this ain't good. This is not a good sign, you know, and it's, it's, it's something that we see a lot, the road construction. People decide they want to cut, you know, water lines and gas lines and Comcast lines and all kinds of lines. you got any kind of line, they'll cut any line that you've got. They are good at that, right? And they can fix them. They're good at fixing them too, so I don't want to heap on them too much. But, but that happens right here, and so we wait. We wait, you know, and, and we wait. And this is it. I, I just got some stats I want to give you this morning that how much of your time in your life is spent waiting? Well, it's, it's uh, been averaged that you will spend two to three years of your life waiting in line. And if you go to Disney, that ups at about 10, 10 years. Yeah, no, you will, you know. Uh, and I'm too cheap to pay for those other passes, so I just kill a lot of time waiting in line, you know. Uh, two to three years waiting in line, just waiting in line, guys. That's a lot of time, right? Some of you say, I wish I could have that time back, right? I wish you could have, like, you know, fast passes for everything, you know. And so uh, two to three years just waiting in line. The average person will spend two weeks at red lights. Two weeks at red lights, now, you won't spend as long in a roundabout, but you will be twice as aggravated because people will stop in that roundabout instead of going through, all right? And so, you know, it kind of evens out, right? Stress levels. Two weeks at red lights. The average person, that's crazy. Two to three years waiting in a line, 
and then you'll spend an average of two weeks in your life at red lights. You will spend more than a month, 43 days, sitting on hold. Just sitting on hold, waiting for someone to answer your call. Your call will be answered in a timely fashion. Really? Will it? I wonder sometimes, and I just kind of hang up, and I'll dial it again, and then I'm waiting even longer because I'm impatient, you know. That's how they get you. And then I just realize I don't need this service, and I cut it off, right? So 43 days, 43 days sitting on hold, two to three years waiting in line, two weeks waiting at red lights, and 43 days sitting on hold. See, we wait a long time for stuff. And, and 2020 has seemed like, somebody said it like this, and I totally agreed with them. They said 2020 has seemed like the longest, shortest year, right? Anybody? You kind of get that? When they said that, I said, yeah, that kind of fits. It's weird and awkward, but it kind of fits. It seems like the longest, shortest year ever because it seems like it's flown by at a snail's pace. Um, and, and in this, we've been waiting. We've been waiting for things to get better, obviously. We're waiting for stuff to happen. We're waiting on various things. And in life, that's, that's how we are. See, maybe maybe your, your life feels like you're just waiting on something. You're waiting on someone. You're waiting to get better. You're waiting for that next pay raise or that next financial um, kind of shot in the arm. Maybe you're waiting, you're waiting on a, a son or a daughter to come home. See, we in this area know about waiting. Uh, we've had some of our families that have had um, spouses that have been deployed. And uh, one, I know one of our church family members, they came home yesterday, and they sent me a picture of, yeah, yeah, welcome home, right? And they sent me a picture, and I was just like, yes! And I don't know if you can jump up and down at a text message, but that's what I was doing. I was trying to jump up and down in that text message because it's just awesome. They have been waiting for their loved one to come home. They've been waiting and waiting. And, and I know some of you guys, you, you know the military because you might get one word, and then that word changes. And it becomes later and later and later. And so that waiting, this area, you guys are in tune with what it means to wait. And so what does that mean for us during this season? In this season of what's called Advent, and Advent is a word that means arrival, what were they waiting on? They were waiting on the arrival of the Messiah. In this book that we read, when we look at Psalm 39, Psalm 39 and 7, this is what it says, Psalm 39 and 7, it says, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? What do I wait? What is the psalmist saying? David wrote this psalm. And so what's David saying? What, O Lord, do I wait for? And he says, my hope is in you. See, he, he had a hope like many other in Israel at that time that the Messiah was going to come. That God would send the Messiah, that God would send this person, this Savior, to set things at right that have been wrong. To, to make the world into what it should be and correct what it's become. And so that's what they were waiting on, this first advent, this thing that we remember, this thing that we see we buy. We go into Hallmark and buy these Christmas cards of this, this uh, gilded gold Christmas card with this little serene baby, and it's just a peaceful, calm scene. And that's probably not how it was at all. You know, if you put a bunch of animals in a, in a barn and then you got a baby, I don't know, you know, Jesus was fully 
man as much as he was fully God, and I believe that he was fully baby when he was born, and that, that, that being a baby, they cry. They, they, they enter this world crying. And so I believe that sometimes our Christmas cards probably don't always represent exactly maybe what it looked like. But that first advent, that arrival of Jesus, people had been waiting on Jesus for a long time. And that's what David writes. He says, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Anybody, you're hoping for stuff? Anybody? Are there things that you're hoping for? In your life. See, Israel knew what waiting was all about. Jeremiah 33. Let's read Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. You see, there's these prophets, these guys that, that wrote these prophetic books in the middle of exile or at the, at the outset of exile or in the middle of exile. And their writings are, are just kind of a peek inside of the world of, of people who are waiting. They're waiting for deliverance. They're waiting for salvation. They're waiting for return back to their homeland. They are waiting. And so this is what it says. Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 33, beginning of verse 14, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise. They're waiting on a promise. Anybody, you're waiting on a promise. You've just been waiting and waiting, and when it seems like, God, where are you at? God, when are you going to get here? But God says that days are coming. Don't you worry about it. Don't you think. Don't, don't give up the hope. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Next verse. And in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. This is what David was talking about. He says, what do I do? What do I wait for? I wait for the hope. And Jeremiah says, you know what? There's, there's coming this branch. There's coming this, this new growth. There's coming this, this flourishing that's going to break through. And it is going to be this new promise. And this is what David was talking about so many hundreds of years later that we see that Jeremiah picks up on this, that in those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. See, that's what they were waiting on. They were waiting on a restoration. They were waiting on salvation. They were waiting on deliverance. And it says this, and, and this is the name by which uh, it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. What are they waiting on? They're waiting on the Messiah. The song that we sang a little earlier in, uh, in, in, in the worship set, the first one in that worship set, second worship set, it was called Unto Us. Where does that come from? Let's read it. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning of verse 2. This is what it says. It says, the people, walked in darkness. the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That was what exile is. Exile is people who had a land, they had a nation, and then somebody came in and stopped them from having their land. And they came in and stopped them from being a nation. And they sent them into exile, and they sent them into darkness. And the darkness flooded in, and it seemed like it squashed all the light. And so when Isaiah is writing this, it says, The people who walked in darkness... They've seen a great light. Even though that light is not there fully yet, they're seeing it. They're just now seeing it. it said, those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Next, next verse. 
You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with great joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. This is it. This is what we just sang. For unto us a child is born, to us is given a Savior. The government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdoms to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God's telling them, I will do this. This is what's coming. This light that is breaking through. I was listening to a guy talk about um, Christmas just how Christmas, we celebrate Christmas. It got its date uh, so many thousands of years ago where uh, they, they, they used to work off a calendar. I think it was a, a, this called the Julian calendar. And it was a 362-day uh, calendar, if I'm not mistaken. And so you missed some days in there. And every year, things got off until you had a few hundred years later that you get to the point that Christmas was in the middle of spring. And so they had to adjust that. And so they went to the Gregorian calendar, and, and, and it kind of adjusted things. And it said that they set that date to coincide with the winter solstice. And the winter solstice is a time when we have uh, the days get to the shortest. That winter solstice, almost it seems like for three days after that winter solstice that the sun doesn't really move in the sky. But then three days after that winter solstice, three days after that winter solstice, they said that's where light begins to break through again. And it's interesting that they set that so that it would coincide with Christmas because that is what is happening. Jesus is breaking through into our lives. The light is breaking through into the darkness into our life. And so, and so we can have hope. So what do you hope for? What do you hope for? I'm going to ask, I've, I've got, um, Caden, if you will, will you bring me that, uh, that item now, I figured uh, that we would multitask this morning, and so he's going to bring me a ladder, and we're going to change some light bulbs today, okay? Anybody willing to climb the ladder and help me? No, nobody, all right? When I was giving away bacon earlier, y'all were all for that. Nobody wants to climb the ladder. Thank you. Give my assistant a hand. There you go. He, t he knows he's had a bow. Look at that, like he's done that before. All right, do y'all practice that at home, guys? So I brought a ladder. This is, this is why I brought the ladder up here. The ladder is here because this is, we're talking about hope. And hope is like a ladder because hope is, is something that you, you lean against something else, right? And a ladder is, and if I, I took this, this down, it's an A-frame ladder, but if I took it, I've, I've had this ladder leaning against the wall before so I could get up and change lights and work on backdrops and all kinds of stuff. And so ladders, 
they, they lean against something, and hope is kind of like that. Hope is kind of like that in the sense that hope is leaned against something. Hope is this. I'm going to define it for you. Hope is this. Hope is a person or thing which my expectations are centered. Hope is a person or a thing with which my expectations are centered. That's, that's what hope is. Hope is, is that which we, we lean against the wall or we lean against someone. We lean against something. We lean against um, that, that person. Maybe when you're born, you know, that hope is in who? Your parents, right? I, I hope my parents, my boy's like, I hope my parents get me good Christmas gifts this Christmas, right? You know, maybe, maybe as you grow and you age, that hope shifts. And that hope shifts to different people. Maybe that hope shifts to your spouse. Maybe that hope shifts not so much to people as much as it is things. Maybe that hope shifts to something that is financial, financial stability. Maybe it's a 401K. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's whatever that is. And so hope is like a ladder because hope is we lean hope against things. Hopelessness is this. Hopelessness is the feeling that comes when with knowing that the person or thing in which I have placed my hope uh, will not or cannot come through right? That's what hopelessness is. When you take your ladder and you lean it against something and you realize, I have placed my hope in something that will not or cannot come through for me. And people become hopeless. You know what? And especially during this year, we've seen people become hopeless. They say that actually hopelessness is a major cause of suicide in our nation. That people who feel hopeless because they feel like what they've leaned their life against, what they've leaned their ladder against, that it cannot, it will not or cannot provide stability for them. It will not or cannot provide security for them. And so when all that is taken away, they feel hopeless. And so maybe that happens. Maybe that happens when you realize and and you just begin to see that maybe hope dissipates or hope evaporates because, man, I placed my hope in this and it doesn't seem like it's coming to pass. And the question this morning is this. If you hope in things or people and every life has a ladder, what is your ladder leaned against? Ask yourself that question. If hope is like a ladder, what is my hope leaned against? Who is my hope leaned against? Because you know what it's like to be let down by people. You know what it's like to be let down by jobs. You know what it's like to be let down by your own health. You know what it's like to be let down financially. And so when we look and we say, it's probably not a good place to lean my hope, then what's left for us? What's left for us is actually the place where we started. The place where we started back in Psalm uh, 39 where David said, what am I I waiting for here? Who do I wait for? What do I wait for? And what does he say? My hope is in you, God. My hope is in you. So this morning... 
If hope is like a ladder and we ask, what are you leaning your ladder against? This is it. This is the last thing I want to give you is this right here. What you hope for shapes what you live for. So what are you hoping for? Are you hoping for someone maybe to come along and fulfill your life? Maybe you're hoping for that that person to come along and just complete you. You know, because that's what it says in the movies. You complete me. But here's a little caveat, guys. It's a movie. They faked it, right? It's a movie. And so, you know, I don't know that any one person actually can live up to that line. I don't know that any one person can live up to that because as, 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 as good as my wife is and as good as I want to be to her, you know what? We are limited people, and we can only do so much for each other. But there is one who is unlimited. There is one who has all source and resources and all power in his hands. There is one who will never leave us and never forsake us. There is one that is there since the beginning of creation to the beginning of time that we can lean our hope against, that we can lean our ladder against, and we can trust in the Lord. What are we waiting for? Who are we waiting for? Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in Jesus. And so when we look and say the first advent, the first arrival of Jesus was the hope of Israel there is a second arrival of Jesus that we are waiting on there is a second arrival of Jesus that we look forward to knowing that maybe this world just isn't quite what it should be but it's on the way because our hope our master our savior is on the way to bring everything into reconciliation with the plan of the father that's what we hope for that's who we long for that's what we wait on we wait on jesus and so this morning i'm gonna ask you to stand with me i'll ask the band if they'll come play what you hope for shapes what you live for what you hope for shapes what you're going to live for. If you're hoping for money, money's going to shape your life. And just as soon as it dissipates and evaporates, so will your hope. If we're hoping that that person that we look at and what, that we idolize and we think that they're going to be everything and the greatest thing in the world, and just when that moment that we think that they're the most amazing thing and then they do something to let us down and we realize our hope was misplaced, not that we can't love people and not that we can't trust people, but you know what? We're people. We're going to fall short. We're going to mess up but Jesus he doesn't fall short he falls right into place he falls right into time and see some of us right now we're thinking what am I waiting on maybe the question is what is God waiting on from you say God I've been waiting on you to do something for me maybe God's been waiting on you to just say hey I'm going to trust you You know what God can do with that? Miracles. Healing. Security. A shot of hope into who you are, into your life, into your heart, into your family. When we say, God, I'm going to trust you. So maybe it's not so much, God, I'm waiting on you. God says, I'm waiting on you. 
Stop clamoring for your control because you're out of control. Stop clamoring just to get the next leg up because you know what? You don't even know what's coming, but I do. So this morning, I want us to declare that our hope, our ladder, we're going to put and lean it up against the Lord. We put our hope in you, O Lord. Can we do that this morning? Can y'all lead us in the song? Can you lead us in the song? Sing this new one again together.
Amen. As we pray and close out, this is what this prayer I want us to lead you in right now. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe some of the things that you have hoped for, maybe some of the things you've leaned your ladder up against have let you down. I want us to pray this prayer that, God, this morning I want to trust you. Lead me into renewed hope. Lead me into renewed hope. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for your, your family? What does that look like for your marriage this morning? renewed hope. You know what? It's been weary. We have dragged this thing out. We have dragged this thing along. And maybe it was not just 2020. Maybe it's been dragging for a while. But you know what? We leave this place this morning with the prayer, God, renew our hope. Renew our hope that you can restore. Renew our hope that you can heal. God, renew our hope in you. Amen. Can we pray that this morning? Father, we thank you today. We thank you that we can come And we can ask the tough questions. What do we hope in? What do we hope for? Lord, hope is a person. And that person's name is Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are our hope. You are our healing. You are our salvation. And Lord, we declare that now. And so, Father, forgive us, Lord, when we've walked off this path. Forgive us when we have lost hope. Lord, restore hope to us. Lord, restore, renew our hope renew our vision of you, renew our trust in you, renew our faith in you. Father, that's what we pray today. That's what we ask for for Christmas. We ask for renewed hope. That's what we ask from you, and that's, Lord, what I know that you will bring. So, Lord, we give you today, and we give you now, and we pray this prayer, believing your power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with us, and if if there's something else that we